live. Welcome back. Episode 37. Um, I'm going to get all my talking done now because this is going to be all about Brian and Brian's meets because he's such a good boy and got his report done. Uh, I did. Thank you. For so, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I got, I got, uh, I, I'm going to be, I think, a spectator tonight too and, and sit back and, and learn. I've only done one mead, um, which you walked me through and pretty much held my hand the entire way. So, uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to uh, sit back and enjoy Brian as he talks about mead tonight. And I'm going to do my best to come up with witty, funny, shitty things to say in chat <laughs> and, uh, and banners to throw up just, just because it's what I do. Um, but, uh, before we get into that, what, what's, uh, what, what's, what's, what's you drinking? Well, uh, it's Oprah on day, right? So, uh, I do have mead to drink since we're doing a mead show, but I figure, uh, there's gotta, there's gotta be some priorities. So uh, Oberon is, is taking some priority today and, and, uh, yeah, I'm actually going to open that up. What about you? So I have to, uh. I got my 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 order messed up here. I I just finished uh, carbonating an ordinary bitter that I brewed a couple weeks ago, and I got a glass before the show. But I'm actually I've got Oberon on deck, um, and and I'll be uh, chugging through this as quick as I can to get to that Oberon because it's been one of those days, and I do need to drink a little heavier than normal. Um, it, it has been one of those days, and we will drink <laughs> heavier than normal. Absolutely. Yeah, my my two meads that I have sitting, uh, if if I get through them both, are. I think they're both fourteen percent. Or no, one's twelve, one's fourteen. So, so I have a I have a melomel that was donated a few months back, quite a while back actually, um, by a fellow keeper, um, uh, Nate. And uh, I, I I hid it in the fridge and then lost it, and forgot about it. And uh, I, so I'm going to drink that later. I've got Sweet. some Norse nectar or. Uh, this was pre-Norse nectar, but it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I just noticed I got the it's uh, the mango mango habanero meat. No, it's no. mine, right? Or is it somebody else's? No, it's oh, they're their mango habanero. They, okay, they're okay. mango habanero meat. Yeah. They, if um, I get really, go ahead. I was going to say that with with that particular meat, uh, I, I think it's. Uh, I don't know if they still do this or they're going to do it's this. Mountain with, Dew. Uh, with it being Norse nectar, not but like, well, it's like it's unfiltered and it's kind of like pulpy. So like, they mm -hmm. they say like roll that bottle around yeah. before you pour it. Yeah, like if you look at the bottom that. of that bottle, yeah. Oh yeah, no, there's a there's a cloudy storm in there. <laughs> but uh, I do remember drinking this with Mountain Dew, and it's actually really good. So it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, they call them mead pills. And then and then if I if I if I get desperate, I've. I've, I've got some heavy hidden shit in the basement that I'll break into, but that'll mean the night has gone tor terribly wrong. <laughs> uh, so hopefully it will. So no Jordan tonight, or maybe maybe, maybe Jordan tonight. Uh, we'll, we'll see if he might pop in here later. Um, and other than that, I don't really have any other other new news. We're still working out the schedule for the next few shows. Trying to nail down some shit. Storm cloud, um, we do have coming up soon. I think in April sometime, right? Storm cloud, we had two weeks ago. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Who am I thinking? Of? No, no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of uh, the other five shores. Five shores. Thank you. Yep, I'm. I'm. I'm just just texted them a little while ago to see if uh, we could nail down that date. Uh, make sure that they're still 
able to come on in, in early April. Um, and then, yeah, we just got to we, we got to reach out and, and solidify a couple more dates. Um, I'd like to try to line up another homebrew review show for end of April, middle of May, maybe. Sure. Um, and then uh, I think it's been a while since we've had a homebrew club on here. So we're going to maybe reach out to some of them and, and get that going again since it's the season for homebrew shit to start kicking up. We got Big Brew Day coming in May and uh, petitions and stuff too right now. So, yep. Right on. So that's all I got. I'm going to sit back and enjoy beer while you you lay it down. Let me get some banners. Right? I mean, <laughs> so I, I, I hadn't, you know, an idea for these, these style of shows. Um, I want to, you know, I kind of wanted to do this. Maybe, maybe it becomes a recurring segment uh, in terms of like types of meads or we can like, uh, you know, build recipes on air or something like that. Uh, we've talked about potentially doing that for beers too. Yep. Um, but today I kind of wanted to lay down uh, a foundation for how I personally uh, make meads. And I think that they're like pretty good meads. Um, and, and it's not necessarily, you know, this isn't the best way to do it. You know, necessarily it's, uh, it's my way. Uh, there, there's as many ways to make mead, you know, as there are ways to make beer, uh, really maybe more. Um, you can, you can make as many styles of mead as you can with beer there. There, I mean, you can make a, a, a beer style mead basically for any style mm -hmm. in the BJCP guidelines and then all the other styles of, you know, mead and stuff. So it's, it's very, um, <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff you can do and, and a lot of ways to do it. Um, so I, I just wanted to go over like my way. It's sort of the, uh, I guess I would call it the newer like textbook way of doing things. Uh, well, so we're going to talk a little bit about, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, we, we can do what we've done with the same thing we do with seltzers, the same thing we do with ciders, right? Is, yeah. is we'll put yeah. our take and our spin on it and Brian will lay down all his knowledge and then hopefully we'll get uh, an expert to come in and um, give their viewpoint on Trust it. I know that on. Yeah, we had Tom on. <laughs> Well, we did. We had Tom. That was more on, on Valhalla, um, but I know we have Gail uh, Milburn out there that uh, from the Michigan Meat Cup. We've talked to her before, and she might come back and do a meat show with mm -hmm. us. So I'm uh, curious to see that. And then maybe there's another fancy Michigan uh, meadery that we could get somebody from to join us someday. You know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Ken Tram's been there. <laughs> he makes his rounds, so so we'll see. We're working on it. We're working on it. I have, we haven't asked him yet. That, that, right? <laughs> but, uh, I might might do that soon. But no, I'm really excited. I I love your meads. Um, they're the ones you've let me try. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm super. I think I think you're you're doing a, a great job laying them down, and, and I'm looking forward to uh, to to making some more based on the kind of the knowledge that you imparted to me already. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how we do in the Michigan Beer Cup this year. I'll uh, I'll try to get some submitted so keepers can you know actually bring home that cup this year. <laughs> That's kind of what got me into it, man. Is uh, and and for those listening that aren't part of you know Michigan homebrew community, we uh, the the Michigan Homebrew Club has a, um, a section for meads and for ciders uh, as well as beer. Uh, that they do for judging and all the points for all categories go together to determine the club that uh, scored the most points. And uh, our club, Jason, and I, Jordan, uh, we did very well uh, two years ago when they, we had the last Michigan beer cup. Um, 
And, uh, and, and if we would have had more meat entries, in fact, I don't even know if we did have a single meat entry. Um, we, we may have taken so. enough points to, uh, to actually bring home that cup. So that's kind of what got me going on it is, uh, we were joking like, Oh yeah, you know, somebody has got to start making meat and I kind of got to compete with KBG. KGB. I went, Sorry. I kind of went all in. Um, so uh, not, not nearly as all in as, you know, some people, uh, I'm not sitting on, you know, 500 pounds of honey in my basement or anything, but I got, I got a bit, um, and I've been, I've been making a lot of batches. You can ask Shana. So, um, yeah, let's get into it. I guess a little bit. Um, so I, I, I basically want this to be like a, like a intro segment, like a, uh, a, a mead ingredients, you know, segment, like this is the base knowledge that you need in order to make anything. You can kind of go from there and, um, and, uh, and, and add things. So, um, I kind of want to talk about honey. I want to talk about water. I want to talk about yeast. It, I mean, this sounds like beer, right? Aside from like the honey, um, and then nutrients and fermentation. Um, those are kind of like the big five for me in my book. Um, and so I guess we can start with honey and I want to say, you know, as, as I kind of go through this, these aren't things that you necessarily need to do to make like a good mead. Um, it's just that, and I, I say this with beer too, the, the less bad things that you do, the better your end product is going to be. You don't necessarily need to, you know, check all the boxes. You just need to uh, not miss as many as possible. Um, and then the less you miss, you know, generally the better your end product is going to be. So um, try, do what you can. If you don't want to spend money on a particular thing, don't. You're still going to make something good. Um, maybe even start small and, and work your way up. Um, and that kind of starts with, with honey. Um, so honey is the base for mead, right? Mead is fermented honey and water typically. But um, when I first started making mead, it's kind of like, oh, like honey, you go to the grocery store and you get honey and, and, and it's just honey. Everything is just honey. There's just one flavor. Um, but there's not. And, and, you know, people that are more knowledgeable than me and more, more worldly than me, uh, you know, know this. Um, honey is very regional, uh, sometimes even very hyper regional. Uh, one farm can have honey that, you know, is you know, dark and complex and another farm, maybe like two miles away, can have honey that's very light and floral. Um, and it's just, uh, it's just a matter of where those bees are, uh, you know, getting uh, pollen from and stuff and the nectar and whatever the kind of flowers that they're pollinating and bringing back to the hive. And so you have things like a uh, meadow foam honey, which I have a, a bottle of, I made a meadow foam traditional um, that I'm probably going to open a little bit later tonight that has sort of like, uh, like marshmallow and vanilla notes to it. Or you can have something like avocado blossom honey. That's like very rich and thick and, and potent and punchy. Um, buckwheat honey uh, that varies from east to west coast uh you know whereas the east coast is sort of like hay flavor it's it has the descriptions of like a sour beer like like funky and hay flavor the, the west coast is a little bit more like mild and and uh and malty maybe or something but um you can you can use the the honeys and uh and use them in blends just like we would with malts uh, to make an end product um, 
so you don't have to, you know, have one honey and make all of your meat out of this one honey. You can do like, you know, five pounds of orange blossom and like, uh, you know, three pounds of coffee blossom and, you know, half a pound of avocado blossom and, and can come up with something delicious. Kind and just like you, yeah, I mean, this, this, this sounds like you making beer, honestly, Jason, <laughs> like, you know how you, you sample well, yeah, your malts when you're making your recipes, right? Yeah, and I was thinking uh, the same thing, like just talking to uh, Andrew Blake about the, the 500 different apple varieties we didn't know about. And, and you're right, yeah. it's a different, the different malt colors, characteristics, flavors that they impart. Honeys do the same thing. That's, that's crazy. Um, so we take those and, and, uh, and you basically, before you even start, you kind of want to figure out, well, what kind of meat do I want to make? And, and I think for now, we just stick to, like, for the show, this segment, I kind of just want to do, like, again, like, base mead. Like, this is how you would do, like, a traditional. Um, I don't want to mess around with, like, fruit additions and stuff like that too much because those do um, tend to add more complexity to, uh, like, your, your, your week and your nutrient schedule and stuff like that. But um, we will maybe go into that, like, on a, another day or something. So, sure. um but yeah, so so um, let's say we want to make a traditional mead, basically, and, and we have some delicious honey. Um, the first thing we want to do, basically, is is figure out like how strong a mead we want and how sweet we want it. Um, most, um, you know let's go into that at the end. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out. I have a, a kind of an outline on how I wanted to do the show, but. I think uh, I think we can talk about like what a what a typical like a mead brew day looks like in the end. I kind of want to talk you, about man. like the individual components first. <laughs> What'd you get? An Oberon. No, okay. <laughs> but I uh, I at least have to do this once, so I have my oranges ready. Uh, it's not usually I'm not a big fruit in my beer, but I'll do it for the first one, then I'll just eat the orange. So I wish I had some. <clears throat> <laughs> so um with those different honeys the sugar content varies a little bit too um the general like guideline that you can go by is that uh one pound of honey in one gallon of water is going to give you about like uh, 35 points so it's going to give you like a, a 1.035 must um and you can kind of scale it from there that's going to vary from honey to honey um so you sort of have to make your must and then like add a little bit of water, <clears throat> add a little bit of honey. Um, if you're looking for a very, you know, particular um, starting gravity. Um, so for the, for the newers, the, the newer, that's, I'm going to use that word for the newers, a must, same thing as a wart for a beer or a, um, it's more of a winemaking term, which uh, no, the, the ventures use, I thought they used a different, Right. <clears throat> but anyway, it's the same thing. It's, it's, it's your water honey mixture. So the must is the base pre-fermented mixture of yeah. <laughs> your, your sugar water. water. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, so, um, so you sort of have to determine um, what gravity you want to end up at, um, which will determine like how sweet your end product is. Um, I'll talk about this near the end. We're probably going to go like traditionals. I prefer somewhere like semi-sweet. 
Um, so maybe around like 10, 15 or something like that as a finishing gravity. Um, the thing about Mead too is, and you know, I know I'm throwing these numbers around. You're like, oh, what does a semi-sweet like Mead taste like? It's it's hard to describe because everyone's going to be a little bit different because of like yeast character and honey character and uh, alcohol content, and uh, you can't just go by numbers. Like uh, like a dry Mead, I think even you know up to like ten ten, depending on the alcohol content, can still taste. Uh, very dry. Whereas in a beer, you know, maybe like a 5% beer or something like that, that would be like, like you could probably, it's not going to be like bone dry tasting. Right. Um, so the best way to determine like is, is sort of like buying meat and making meat and drinking it and, 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 you know, establishing that like knowledge base, you can go by numbers and that, that's a good way to start. But the more meat you make, the more idea of, um, of, of what kind of, you know, end product you're going to be able to, you know, create too. Um, so I, I encourage everybody to, you know, just make small batches, like one gallon batches or something like that. Um, you can do it on the cheap that way. Uh, one gallon of, um, of, uh, of me to probably net you like, what, like 10 bottles or something like that in the end, eight. Yeah. And I think, <clears throat> I think it's a lot easier than doing one gallon batches of beer. You know I mean? When you're when you're brewing beer and you're you're if you're <clears throat> if you're doing all grain anyway, you know you've got to you've got to mess up all the equipment. So doing one gallon is kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, uh, you might as well do five and split it, but uh, you know or more. But with mead, you're right. You just pound of honey, mix it in water, go down to Bell's and buy yourself a gallon jug um, or you know a little gallon bucket. So yeah, it's easy, easier. <laughs> <clears throat> um so yeah i mean uh we'll get back to honey like near the end when we kind of put together like a, a little bit of like a recipe or something like that but um honey is your base that's basically all of your flavor for a traditional aside from you know what you can get in with a with the yeast and and stuff um but from there we move on to water which is like the next biggest part of uh, making mead so um no, just you have a few tap. options what's that i said water just comes out of the tap yeah, uh, if you're lucky enough, like Jason, to uh, live on the world's most premium like water supply coming out of the ground, uh, then you just pour it out of the tap and make your mead. Um, if you're like us uh, plebs that you know have chlorinated water and stuff, um, you have a few other options. So uh, I personally use RO <laughs> with a. Uh, uh, I do do like a little bit of a of a, a brewing salt addition, uh, just because it's what I'm used to with brewing. Um, not as much as I would with beer, just because the malt's not there to sort of balance out that you know calcium chloride and gypsum and stuff. But I'll do like a really really low amount of uh, of brewing salts. I, I kind of um, I took a pint of water one time. And just like mixed around some brewing salts and came up with a water that I thought like tasted pretty good. And, and that's basically my base now for, um, for my needs. So it's just something you mix together. I mean, because needs don't really have a, a like style guidelines that call for more minerally water, mm -hmm. like some beers do, right? Like, uh, you know, some of your German or, or, uh, Eastern European beers, you need to have that, 
mineral basic mm -hmm. build up in the water, that mineral base. And meat is just, what's your flavor, your taste? So you just tasted the shit and decide you liked it and that's what you're going to go in? Yep. <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, if you tried meat from around the world, um, <clears throat> it, it probably would taste different just because, um, just like beer does, you know, with people using their, their natural water supplies, uh, I, I, meat has got to have that too. Um, it's just, there's, there's not nearly as many meaderies right now making, you know, stuff as there are breweries around the world and honey is crazy expensive compared to that. Um, right. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to sort of get a, uh, you know, a, I guess you can call it like a palate memory of like what particular like, you know, honeys and meads and stuff taste like because it's not easy to acquire one and two, it is a little cost prohibitive. So um, I, I would say just don't worry about that, you know, um, find some honey that tastes good. The, the more local, the better. And you know, <clears throat> And just just go for it. Just don't use your your, your um, city chlorinated tap water, right? And if you're going to, um, I, I recommend adding Campton, you know, uh, just like we would with beer, just to get rid of the chlorine and chloramines. Um, you're you're probably fine after that. Um, again, just like with beer, in fact, probably even more with mead. You know, if the water doesn't taste good, the end product's not going to taste good. Uh, or if it does taste good, the brand product may taste good. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, not a lot more to say there. Um, just use Campton. Uh, maybe use RO. I'm just thinking with brewing. Maybe do a little bit of like a mineral addition or something like that. But um, again, it's going to be sort of playing around with it and, and doing it to taste. I know uh, when I was doing research for water, when I was starting to make my first meads, um, I did look to see if anybody was using RO water and uh, I don't know if it's just because there's less information about, um, you know, making mead and water additions and stuff like that, or whether nobody's like really caring. Um, but, but I honestly didn't find a whole lot of information on using RO water. Um, I found one small, um, you know, blog that did a test with like five different kinds of water. And I think that they found like, a mildly um, um, like a water with a mild calcium chloride addition did the best and then RO and then like, like a harder, like gypsum water and then, you know, city water after that and stuff. So um, that's kind of what got me on that path, but uh, you do you. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeast is probably going to be the next big, um, ingredient you know after after water so um just like with beer yeast um is is what's actually going to end up making the end product taste like the end product right um there are so many different yeasts available because one you can use most beer yeasts that are out there to make mead um there's nothing really stopping you from from doing that um the abv tolerance on those is quite a bit lower usually um, so if you want a, like a higher ABV, uh, mead, you're probably not going to be using them, not because they're not viable, just because the end product isn't going to be quite like quite as, like, you know, alcoholic. Um, and, and some people like that, like, uh, I've made my fair share of like 6% meads, um, 
and and anywhere in between i've made like a 10 percent um i have a 12 percent right now and a lot of 14 percent so um it's just kind of what you want the end product to be like um and then you kind of choose your yeast appropriately um lalaman's website and scott lab's website are great resources for figuring out what characteristics yeasts are going to bring to the table for your ferment um if you're doing something with like a particular spice or particular fruit or, you know, chocolate or vanilla or oranges or what have you, um, they have a, a whole like product sheet that sort of describes like what sort of esters and phenols and, and um, other, you know, random flavors that you might find hints of when you use these particular foods. <clears throat> and uh, just like with beer then, um, you don't, you're not stuck just using like champagne yeast to make your your, you know, your one kind of mead. Um, you have you know all these awesome options available. Um, if you want to do a traditional, you might want to stick with something that has like cleaner flavors, like a DV10 or a QA23, um, which are both like Lalaman dry yeasts. Um, but I mean, there's there's a ton of yeast available out there. 71B and D47 are two of the more popular. Uh, EC eleven eighteen is a really popular one. Do you just usually um, use like a cleaner kind of uh, non-present, I guess, yeast, right? Because you're really trying to let the honey shine. Yeah, um, but uh, depending on like how complex you want it, um, there are some yeasts that have um, some properties that that people find appealing, like a seventy one B. Is really good at um, like malolactic fermentation, so it can take some um, malic acid and convert that into lactic. I believe is, is what it does, um, which tends to lend like kind of a softer um, tartness, like an acidity in the mead. Um, um, if if you're doing like a piment or something like that, or I'm sorry, a a sizer. Um, because like, that's, I think sizers are mostly like malic acid, right? That's uh, that's where that comes yeah. from. Um, so sometimes I think that might be a good choice for like you know a sizer. All all these yeasts have different properties. Some are very nutrient hungry. Uh, some don't have any nutrient requirements at all. Um, even though you probably should still use uh, some nutrient. Um, some are better, you know, at low temperatures. Some uh, stall out at, at low temperatures. Um, some and, and tend you, to ferment fruit very well at higher temperatures. Well, you got to be conscious too of the the alcohol content that you're going for too, right? Like, I mean, that yeah. was my my first mistake with mead seven years ago was I threw just an absolute shit ton of honey in a bucket with some water and yeast, and then I think I hit like thirteen percent, and the yeast was like, "Fuck you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and I still had left with something kind of sweeter. Yeah. Oh no, I was left yeah. with syrup. I mean, they're almost pure honey. So, <clears throat> trying to finish that Oberon. It's so refreshing. I love Oberon Day. Um, so, does um, it taste different to you? This year? it doesn't. So, I it, not to get off topic, but that's what we do. Sorry. No, right. um, so I'll get back to yeast in a second. But um, for me, Oberon tastes different out of a can. Than it does 
out of a, oh. a bottle or a keg or something. There's this particular flavor that canned Oberon has at the end when I burp that I don't get from bottled or on draft, and I don't know what the difference is. I actually don't know if I've ever drank an Oberon out of a can. I, I give it I, a shot. I go yeah, get just, one of those like 16 ounce <clears throat> cans. That's how you told John last week. You know, it's not it's not like the my go to. In fact, I bought this six pack of Oberon. I went to put it in the you know yesterday or the day before. I went to put it in the fridge, and I had I bet you I had eight from last year still in there. Uh, in in one of my beer fridges, that's you know kind of like the the big collection of junk that I collect or uh, gather over the year. So I don't drink a lot of it, but yeah, I don't think I've ever had it out of can. No, I've checked it out because bottle this tastes fine. It's, it's good, yeah, good, oh, it's great. Good summer wheat beer. Uh, Brandon asked if there was a particular yeast strain that I'd recommend over others for mellow mills and traditionals. Um, anything with fruit, honestly, 71B is like really popular for, for a reason. Um, it works really, really well. Um, it just, uh, it helps like uh, sort of enhance those, those, you know, nice like fruity notes and stuff like that. Um, I hear, and I haven't done this yet, but I hear that uh, D254 at a warmer temperature, I think it's D254. I'll have to check that later and make sure I'm not making a fool out of myself. But at, at temperatures like closer to 80, um, tend to do really well too. Nice. Can you have a can over on? Okay. You'll have to taste that next and let me know. Let me know. I did not know that I had. Oh, this, this is from last year. No, it's from last year. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Whatever. That's fine. So. Um, <clears throat> So those two for like melomels for sure. Um, for traditionals, um, QA23, which Bell sells down at the general store, uh, is super good. That's what I used on my uh, Meadow Foam traditional, and I think it, it turned out quite well. Um, but so also I'm going to jump into the, yeah. oh, I was gonna jump into the newers again. You said sizers. You said melomels. And I know you're, you're talking about different That's, honeys for different shows, but uh, – a sizer is a mead made with apples. Correct. Right? Or apple juice. A melomel yep. is. Generally with any fruit, um, if you look at the BJCP guidelines, they separate out stone fruit and berries. And then anything else, any other kind of fruit is a melomel. But in general, I, I, I call anything with fruit in it a melomel. So um, a fruit mead is a melomel, unless it's apple. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's a sizer. Uh and you know they, I get it. So in in and if you look at the BJCP BJCP categories, there's really only uh, at least I think in 2018 there were only four, right? Yeah, uh, right. four, so four have, main categories with a couple subcategories. In with, there. with subcategories, we have like 35 beer categories. Yeah, and when you get down to it, a lot of the beer categories repeat because it's like American versus European. You know, which comes into a lot of that water quality, yeast quality shit that they just mm -hmm, haven't done that mm -hmm. with meads yet. So, but meads we have traditional, which is, of course, water honey, sizer, apple honey, melomel, fruit honey. What's the other one? There's a, a capsamel or capiscamel for anything with like pepper in it. Okay. Um, there's mm -hmm. a metheglin for anything with spices. Methylglin, yeah. There is acerglin for anything with maple. Um, which would do that? 
Yeah. And then people, people end up making up, you know, names for, for other types too. I'm sure there's like a chocomel or something like, you know, for, for like a chocolate. Or something but those like. are the basic ones. So when <laughs> yeah. we're talking about them, it's going to be melomel sizers, traditionals, maybe methaglins. Piments uh, for uh, anything with uh, grapes or grape juice. Thank you. There you go. So, yeah. The yeah those those are the big know. ones. So if I say that, um, that's what I'm referring to. Uh, so thank you. Wrong one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, Brandon, um, uh, QA 43 or DV 10 for traditionals, uh, tend to work pretty well for me. Um, and these are typically, if you Google these letter, weird letters and numbers that Brian's shouting out, they will actually return things right from there. <laughs> they will, they will actually return things. Um, yeah. I don't know if you can necessarily find all of them locally, but, um, Buy them locally if you can, and you can usually order them online uh, if not. And they're dry yeast; they're pretty, they're pretty sturdy. Uh, they can, they can handle a, a shipment from you know wherever oh, yeah. you're them from. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if you know your local uh, homebrew shop couldn't specially order them too, you know, or something. So, um, but beyond those, even um, just like with beer, people have been using Quebec yeast um, to make uh, meads lately too. Um, and so I'm going to kind of tie this in into nutrients, um, cause that's going to be our, our next step, but, um, quick use are uh, notorious for needing like high, high, high amounts of uh, nutrients, even more than your normal beer work. Um, so I just, one, you got a little muted there, so check your mic, but while you're doing that, that this I think is I was, like lifting my head to the sky. Oh, I can't get it to focus. Anyway, um, Nate, uh, <clears throat> Nate's Blackberry Current Melomel actually says it was made with the Boss Bike feed. There so, you go. Yep. Yeah. Right, cool. We'll try that in a minute. After I drink this can a year old Oberon. <laughs> You'll, uh, we'll turn this into a uh, year old Oberon review for a minute or something. Um, but nutrients for mead are very super duper important because uh, yeast needs nutrients in order to uh, ferment healthy. We don't worry about that with beer so much because uh, with beer, I think uh, I think they measure nutrient requirements in fan, which is like, what, like free amino nitrogen or something like that, maybe? I'm not, you don't have to quote me, but. Um, I'm gonna do some shit. <laughs> with with uh with wine and um therefore with mead because a lot of what we we do with mead comes from the wine making world uh we talk in yan which is yeast assimilable nitrogen um so it's basically uh the measurement of here we go freeman of nitrogen okay was i right is that what i said i sure <laughs> You pay attention to what I say about as good as I do. I was Googling. <laughs> um, so, so yen is very similar. Uh, it's the measurement of uh, um, like organic uh, and inorganic uh, nitrogen sources um, that the yeast use to um, have a, a healthy fermentation. Um, specifically, um, Saccharomyces cerevisiae. I don't know a whole lot about like yeast uh there you go. Say it. Say it. Similable nitrogen. Isn't that what I said? <laughs> I said that. Sure. Yeah. Right. 
Um, I don't, I don't know a lot about the nutrient requirements for, uh, for other kinds of yeast, but I'm sure they're different and crazy. Um, but it's important because with wine, you have at least a little bit of nitrogen, um, that the, the grapes add to the must with honey, you have jack shit. So, um, if, if I, my very first mead, um, I didn't know like any of this, right? It's just, you mix some honey with some water and you throw some yeast in and you make mead. That's and, and that's fine. Yeah, you're you're gonna make mead. Um, and honestly, I still have some bottles downstairs, and I opened one up not too long ago, and it's five or six years later now, and like it, it tastes fine, and it sort of tasted fine at the time. But um, mine is seven years old, and I'm not sure it tastes fine yet. <laughs> if if you do your nutrients right, uh, you can turn around like a, a mead in about three months, probably. I mean, honestly, probably 30 days. A lot of meters turn in, turn their meter on in, you know, 30 to 60 days. Um, but uh, if if you, <laughs> they also have the ability to like filter and stuff. But but if uh, <laughs> if you do your nutrients right, uh, easily, easily within uh, three months, you can have like a drinkable product. Um, and that that's not gonna mean that it won't like age differently and improve with time and stuff, but uh, it's it's going to be super drinkable and it's going to lose most of its like um, you know alcohol bite and you won't have any like crazy like fusel flavors and stuff. So um, the three important uh, nutrients that we talk about with uh, mead making are I guess there's four sort of um, they're they're more products than nutrients, but uh, you have go from uh, from K from O and then DAP with which is a uh, diammonium phosphate um so um so go firm uh <laughs> is sort of the the uh the the product that you start with to prep your yeast up um because mead is so nutrient deficient in such a high gravity and, and sometimes a little more acidic uh, because honey is pretty acidic um it, it can be kind of a harsh environment. Um, well, and it's it's why it's it's like naturally anti uh, biotic, right? Like it's yeah, it doesn't like shit growing in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why. I mean, it, it, it technically lasts forever. It doesn't spoil, right? No. So, how do we make something that doesn't spoil? You know, kind of spoil. It's what we're doing to it a little bit in a way. Yeah. Controlled spoilage. <laughs> uh, we fucking blast it with nutrients and yeast and uh, when we force it to do our bedding and, you know, and, and we mix a little water in too, but um, um, yeah. So, so I'm not going to go into like, you know, the science behind go for mostly because I don't know it, um, but it does have some uh, DAP in it and some yeast nutrients and probably like fatty acids and all sorts of other fun, delicious yeast food um, that it needs in order to, Sort of wake up and and grow. It's got one of the main chemicals and pee in it. Perfect. Yeah. In fact, uh, you know, don't quote me on this, but maybe you can just do that instead of uh, maybe instead you of can. a firm starter or something. Just pee in it. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I won't be the one sampling your product. Well, you know what? Bring it to Homebrew Fest, and you know it'll be like one o'clock at night. Matt, this McClendon fuck girl drink anything. Well, will happily <laughs> drink your. Your pee means so. 
<laughs> um. <laughs> oh, Jordan. Jordan, where are you? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically you start your stuff up with Gopherm and from there, um, there's there's some staggered nutrient addition schedules online that you can look up. Um, Where would so you you're go not. <laughs> let me tell you. Um, let me let me explain what I mean by staggered nutrient additions first, though. So, um, with mead, uh, you kind of don't want to load up your mead with nutrients all at once. You can, um, and and there's there's mixed reviews on people, you know, throwing it in all up front and throwing uh, different amounts of nutrients in, um, you know, after a certain amount of days. But the, the general thought process is that if you toss in all of the nutrient that your uh, fermentation is going to need all up front, it's going to go crazy. Like it's going to go nuts on it. It's going to consume all of that, um, that, that nitrogen and those nutrients. And uh, you're going to generate a lot of heat and uh, the fermentation is going to be vigorous. And I don't know where I heard this, but um, with, with fermentation, you sort of want more of like a slow, steady ferment rather than a, a big, like, you know, blast through it and, uh, and get done with it ferment generally. Now, there, there are some exceptions like Kvike yeast, which just doesn't play by the rules. But um, I, somebody explained this to me as like, like a, when yeast ferment, it's sort of like us exercising, right? Like if you were to go for like, you know, a, a pretty fast paced, like five mile run, like you're probably going to sweat like a whole lot and you're going to get home faster than if you, you know, walked that, that whole five miles, but you're probably going to sweat a lot less and, and yeast, when they're doing that hard work really fast, you're getting that like yeast sweat flavor into your 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 product your beer your wine your mead um so yeast you sort of want to just yeah yeah exactly yeast peas poop uh, whatever <laughs> so you you kind of want to um have it be more of like a slow and steady like thing um which is why you um which is kind of where staggered nutrient additions came from um one of the ones that i use right now mostly is called tasno um, I believe it was created by, uh, Sergio, I can't remember his last name. Um, look this up. He's, he's the president, last I knew of the American Mead Makers, Sergio, no, Sergio Montoya. Um, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, and so, <laughs> and I hope I'm not bullshit. And I, I know that he has it up on, on his website. So, um, it basically calls for using uh, firm O uh, over four different editions after 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours, and then roughly at what they call the one third sugar break, which is uh, like roughly after one third of the fermentable sugars in your must have, have fermented. So if you started off at, you know, 1100 and you're going for 1.00, your one third sugar break would be at around 1.0667. Um, that's if you're measuring throughout your process, you know, like maybe if you had a really cool little digital yeah. uh, reader. <laughs> for those of us that can't do that. My so, recommendation would be to uh, do it before the seventh day, roughly. So maybe day one, day two, day three, and maybe like day five or something. Right. 
Um, you don't generally want to add more nutrigen. I'm sorry. That, that, was, a, that was a combination of nitrogen and nutrient. Um, <laughs> you don't want to add more, uh, more of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the later you add that into the fermentation, the, the less the yeast might like uh, actually use it. And if the yeast don't use it, it's just going to be hanging out in solution. And that gives uh, uh, other like, uh, you know, bacteria and other microbes and stuff food to like uh, consume and, and use up. Um, so look up Tosna. Um, generally, as far as nutrients go, you're going to figure out how much yeast you need. Uh, using either the Gottmead calculator on gottmead.com or uh, the uh, Mead Maker. I'm sorry, the Batch Builder calculator, which is on meadmaker.com. That's M-A-K-R, I think. M-E-A-D-M-A-K-R. Um, uh, and both of those are very good resources for figuring out roughly how much yeast you're going to need um, to ferment, you know, the must that you come up with, you know, it's all based on what your, uh, your original gravity is the higher, you know, sugar content you have, the more yeast you're going to start off with. Um, have you follow has the any, instructions? Uh, if anybody has any year old Oberon in their fridge, <clears throat> is that why you were cracking up? I'm like, man, am I that boring? Like, I'm sorry. Like I know. <laughs> no, How is man. it? No, it's shit. It's, <laughs> It's shit. <clears throat> but Even I'm going to throw it. Even, you know, I'm going to put two oranges in it. Uh, maybe, maybe three. Maybe, some orange. maybe, maybe just this whole <laughs> half a fucking orange. There we go. And no, I'm cracking up because I'm trying to think of of of, of uh, witty things to say to help you along. It's my, I'm, I'm like Vanna White and your uh, Pat Sajak here. <laughs> If only, if only we were uh, as handsome or pretty as either of them. Hey, shut the fuck up. I'm beautiful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> while I talk, I'm going to go find my mute here. Because I finally think. There you go. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> what has yeast? Has <laughs> yeast. <clears throat> I, there's some. Oh, no, I'm not going to start singing. I'm not going to start singing. Okay. The uh, we discovered this weekend that there is a uh, a lart. There's an artist called Lardy B, and uh, uh, she makes a song called WAP. It's uh, Wings and Pizza. I, I think I've seen that one. Yeah. Um, well, wait. There no. There's another artist that does. Um, it's WAP, but it's about hot sauce. Oh, I'll figure it out. <laughs> By the way, like slight, you know, off-topic thing. At one point, I was listening to um, to like Pandora Explicit, and I heard this uh, song about um, coochies. Yeah, I think that was it. And now I can't find it. So if anybody knows a rap song that talks about wet coochie, let me know. Perfect. <laughs> Or maybe it was. No, I'm not going to say that on air. There's only so far. I'll go. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, foam traditional. Um, I think my glass is a little dirty. It's actually. Uh, it's really, really clear. Um, yeah, I'm excited about it. This. Uh, this is only. 
flagged. Can we? What? Yeah. Flagged. I actually mark all of these as not appropriate <laughs> for children. So I shouldn't get flagged. Uh, I haven't tasted this cold yet, so I'm kind of excited to taste it chilled and let it warm up a little. You know, it's funny. I, I'm, I don't have a problem saying fuck on air, but yeah, there's just some shit we shouldn't talk about. Anyway, your meadow foam was delicious the other day. Um, and it was like, you know, it's just so for those of you that are ignorant like me and don't know, meadow foam is actually a flower. Um, it's white flower. I had to Google it after I tried it at Brian's. I got out and I'm like, what the fuck is he keeps saying meadow foam? What's <laughs> he talking about? And it tastes like marshmallows uh, and creamy, like vanilla. It was super delicious. Um, but yeah, uh, so so Google that shit. Meadow foam. It's a pretty little white wildflower. I don't know what they use it for. I don't know. Good honey. Well, like, why the hell do they have fields of this little white flower growing? I understand clover honey, star thistle honey. Even, you know, like you've got the coffee blossom and there's different... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, fruit varieties, tangerine, orange blossom, almond blossom, all of that shit. Who the hell came up with metal foam? There's like a like star thistle you'll find too. Uh, I love star thistle, honey. Have you had it before? Okay. Uh, yeah, you, ha you had it at my house. Oh, yeah, you have some too. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so Sleeping Bear Farms in uh, northern Michigan – uh, it does a lot of star thistle. I've been on star thistle for years because a friend of mine used to have an apiary here uh, in uh, Cooper Township, and he did a lot of star thistle honey. Super, <laughs> super good. It's just like this, uh, the floral spicy characteristics that it gives off. Um, but you're like Mr. Big Time Important Hawaii, honey. Only, only recently. Uh, there's a guy... Uh, I think it's Wow Kelly Farms, W-A-L-K-E-L-E. -E. Um, and uh, the guy's name is Sean. And uh, it's just a family farm out there in Hawaii. And they do all sorts of crazy honeys. And uh, he ships 20-pound bags uh, for 90 bucks. That includes the honey and the shipping. So go find him. Give him business. Uh, he's an awesome dude. And his honey's great. <laughs> Sean Harris, maybe? I don't know, but let's get him on. Uh, not Michigan Brews. Michigan Grows. Michigan not Michigan Brews. Brews. <laughs> it would be Hawaii. Hawaii <laughs> we'll figure it out. I mean, it's... Yeah. I was going to say it's the farthest state away from us, but it's probably <laughs> the farthest state away from a lot of states. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are learning some shit right now. 14% is kicking in already. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this up um, real quick. Um, Stagger nutrient additions. Look it up. Look up Tasna. Um, follow it. You'll get good results. Um, buy some buy some uh, buy some firm K. Buy some DAP. Buy some firm O. Buy some Go firm. Buy anything with the name firm in it just to make sure you have it and, and you'll be good to go. Um, really, the last thing you need to worry about after that is, is fermentation. Same with beer. Like, you don't control your fermentation temp. 
Um, you're gonna get weird flavors potentially. Um, well, yeah, you know, potentially, potentially, some some yeasts are more or less sensitive, you know, to it than others. Um, some people don't have as cold basements as as others have. Um, so, uh, yeah, when you're working with honey, especially, and and you know, weird nutrients additions and stuff like that, you're your temp inside this fermenter can get, you know, potentially Sorry, like 10, 15 yeah. degrees warmer than what you're measuring on the outside of what your ambient is. I'm counting on my non uh, temperature controlled metals. <laughs> yeah, it's going to take me a minute. And if you have a cold place, that's fine. But you don't want your mead going out of control and going like, you know, into the 80s when it doesn't perform well, you know, outside of the 70s and stuff. <laughs> um so again it's not a matter of doing everything right it's about doing the least amount of things you know not not necessarily wrong but like about about controlling the most you know the most the most things you can um oxygen is really important for yeast health just like with beer and uh, if you can oxygenate do it if you can't shake the crap out of your bucket or something um, and then degassing is, uh, debatable. Some people do it. Some people don't, you don't really touch beer. Um, when you're making it, you sort of put in the fermenter and let it go with mead. It's popular to take like a wine whip or something and sort of, uh, knock the CO2 out of solution occasionally, uh, for the first couple days, um, debatable whether it helps or not. Um, You'll see lots of anecdotal uh, evidence across the internet. I usually do end up doing it a little bit simply because uh, it happens while I'm adding in uh, my nutrient additions. And if you're adding in like fine powder, like nutrient additions to a, a solution that has uh, carbonation in it, you're basically introducing uh, points of nucleation for that CO2 and it's gonna like foam. So if you're not using a bucket, if you're using something like a carboy, you can potentially cause a lot of foam and just have like a whoop uh -oh, right up the top of your, your, uh, your firm hole. And, uh, and it's not good. <laughs> you're just fucking lobbing them to me, man. No. <laughs> Speaking of vessels, too, if you're going to use fruit and you're going to make a mead, uh, use a bucket. Don't use a carboy. You're going to have like a bitch of a time getting all that fruit back out. Um, it's just not worth the effort. Like, Actually, I've, I'm, I've moved on to Speedles. Uh, Speedles? Something with a wider mouth. Speedles. Um, yeah. that's, no, that's I, you know, I remember, well, my two fruit horror stories are, one, shaking 10 pounds of cherries out of a glass carboy one fucking cherry at a time. And then two is uh, carving out a banana cake with a coat hanger. So yeah, um, use something <laughs> with a wide mouth that you can stick your hand in. How'd that end up working out for you? It sucks, but I did it. I mean, I only had, the like, carboys are expensive and mm -hmm. and uh, I made this beautiful banana blonde and, and that banana like solidified into something far stronger than concrete. And I had to take a, a, a sharp object in it and like cut it into little pieces so I could get it out of the carboy. So 
shit that I shouldn't say on here. So, um, speedo fermenters are great. You're absolutely right. Brandon, they are amazing. They are. I think I, I have like seven. Ordered seven. my third one and got it delivered up here in a box the other day. Amy doesn't know about that. No, she does. <laughs> so, so that's it. Everybody can make perfect mead now. I, um, at the we're hitting about an hour that's kind of what i figured i, I kind of want to just go through and like recap like what a what a brew day would look like real quick and then we can just like you know drink and people can hang out or, or whatever but i kind of want to get through this mead so speaking of drinking mead um these are in bottles right now a lot of what i have are in corks uh what i absolutely love about drinking mead and uh and for the same reason wine is if you're corking your product uh, you don't have to drink the whole bottle. It's usually not carbonated. You just put that cork right back on after you take your little pour, and you come back to it later, and it's pretty much still the same. doesn't really oxidize that fast. Um, if you drink it within you know a week, probably, you're probably good. Um, and so, uh, shoot, I, I probably could have just poured a little bit in this and I just recapped it, but it's, it's mead show, so I'm going to drink it all, but... Uh, yeah, I I, I love that. Into this smell mel I just got to chug through this last of this two-year-old Oberon, or one-year-old Oberon. So, making a mead, making a traditional mead. Um, like I like I talked about before, uh, you want to figure out what ABV you want. So you want a fourteen percent mead. Um, you either pick a yeast that's going to die at fourteen percent. Or you add enough honey that's going to get you fourteen percent. In general, that's about one hundred and ten points. So one point one one zero must. Um, then you figure out what the sweetness that you want. So for a traditional, I like it somewhere around like ten fifteen to ten twenty five. So uh, uh, if you if you take into account that a fourteen percent ferment will you know uh, use about one hundred and ten gravity points. Um, if you have a 14% yeast, uh, you can either start off higher than that, you know, like 130 gravity points to 140 or so, and just have the yeast die off and leave that residual honey, or you can ferment dry and add back that much honey later. Either way, you're going to use the same amount of honey. Um, adding it beforehand tends to leave you with a maybe more well-rounded uh, product, whereas... Excuse me, if you back sweeten, you might get some of the uh, like the more like intense and prominent like honey characteristics um, in the end product. So there's no good way to do it. There's no best way to do it. It's whatever your preference is. Um, and again, a lot of that depends on yeast quality or yeast ABV tolerance too. If you want to make a 14% mead with a yeast that can ferment up to 18%, you're gonna have to ferment dry and then back sweeten. Um, to back sweeten the mead, um, you want to add potassium sorbate and potassium metabisulfite, just like you would with like a beer uh, to stabilize it. You don't want your extra honey to be fermented. So add those, give it a nice gentle stir, uh, give it a day, and then add your appropriate amount of honey. Um, understanding again that honey is roughly 35 points uh, per pound per gallon. You can just kind of do the math. 
Um, that means for one pound of honey in a five gallon batch, uh, that'll add about seven points. Um, so just kind of math it out. Um, and then, uh, figure out, um, you know, the, the nutrients that you need, um, use a mead calculator to figure out how much yeast you need. Uh, I think go firm is 1.25 grams for every gram of yeast. Think, uh, mead calculator in this episode, right? I will. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll end up putting it either a new post or, uh, or I'll put it in the comments later on or something, but. Okay. Um, I'm going to go rinse out my glass really quick while you talk so I can pour this mouth mouth without getting yearled over on. So I'll be right back. <laughs> it's very important. Um, yeah, get your uh, yeast propped up with GoFirm. Um, figure out what uh, what your nutrient additions are going to be for the next couple days. Some people will take like uh, salad dressing cups and label them like one, two, three, four. Um, you probably don't even need to label them, but uh, and they'll pre-measure out all the nutrient that they need uh, for the next you know couple days uh, following the Tosna regimen. Um, or you can just you know every night go downstairs and. Or wherever your meat is, mine's usually downstairs, and uh, and measure out you know the nutrient that you need and and uh, uh, knock the CO two out of your must and add it in and, and stir it in, and then uh, you know after your your last addition, um, just let it finish out. It should be done probably within two weeks. Uh, you can give it three or four, uh, doesn't really matter. And then <laughs> it's up close with Brian. I've never I've never done this before. I'm so, my, my face is so big. Uh, I, oh man, <laughs> hold on. Oh, up close to Jason. No. Oh, okay. No, I just had to get us back. I can't, can't deal with the change. Change is bad. How do we do that? Well, now we're both big. Um, it's fine. Don't touch <laughs> buttons. This so is yeah, the you're, time you're, this you're, week you're, I've had to say, don't touch your shit, Brian. <laughs> don't touch. It's all good. Then you have mead, and you just let it sit and age. You can bottle it. You can cork it. Um, I think corking and aging and bottling and stuff might be, you know, for another episode or another discussion. I I've been rattling for an hour now, rambling, and and I don't oh, think I'm any fun to listen to. So, did that phone? It fucking exploded. Oh, oh no, I missed it. Oh my god. <laughs> uh so uh when I when I talked about stabilizing earlier, uh this this potentially you know can happen if if a meat isn't stabilized right or uh or shoot, maybe something else happened, who knows? But yeah. <laughs> no it's it's no biggie. Nobody cares about Jason's setup. It missed the keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> it's all over me. Fuck it. Oh. So on the plus side, uh, Jason gets a little bit of uh, carbonation in his mead now, too. I was oh, I was just going to, yeah, that, that made me think of that. Let me uh, do this. Uh, I have so many of these now. And so me doesn't have to be served still. Um, Brian, the carbonation horse, Stevens, absolutely. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it doesn't have to be uh, still. It can be quite effervescent and uh, <laughs> and explodey. Even thanks, mate. I hope you're watching. 
<laughs> I make a uh, like a six percent mango habanero uh, mead that I carbonate. Any of the session meads, lower ABV meads, uh, they tend to be carbonated. Like a lot of the stuff from Bee Nectar, uh, a lot of sizers in general uh, tend to be carbonated. Um, you can carbonate just a little. You can have mead be dry, semi-sweet, really sweet, dessert sweet. And that's quite tasty, though. Good, man. I think I tried that maybe the last time that he brought it out to... Last time we had a meeting in person, I think at Presidential, maybe he brought some of that? Yeah, so that's actually where it was from. It was... Uh, okay. We had the meeting at Presidential. I couldn't drink that night um, because I was having some lab work done the next day. Yep. And Nate sent me home with a care package, which I love you greatly for. Uh, and it missed everything important, so it was fun. But uh, beautiful blueberry, current black currant, melomel. Very effervescent. Uh, <laughs> Is that what's in it? It's blueberry and black currant? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. The bottle, which I already threw away, was, uh, I believe it said it was made in um, 2019 and maybe in September of 2019 or June of 2019, and it was bottled in 2020. Cool. Uh, late 2020. So it's probably a year and a half old. It's been in the bottle for, we'll say, six months. He didn't send this in to get homebrew reviewed, so I'm not going to talk too much shit about it, but it's good. Thanks. Perfect. <laughs> Besides the exploding part. Yeah. I'll have to go back and watch our video and see if that like came up at all. I'll never complain about free alcohol. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, I guess, uh, I mean, if there's more questions in the chat, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with hanging out for a little bit. Um, so what are, what are you, what's your vision for the, the future on this? Because, like, we, 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 we touched on what you thought were the basics. Hold on, I, I made a banner for it. Um, we covered Brian's Big Five. <laughs> Um, uh, so, so the great thing is that we don't need to talk about how to make, uh, you know, mead in general again, ever. Um, my, my, uh, my vision would be, uh, us, um, having a few particular types of a style and then going over how to, um, make the, the, the meads of that particular style while drinking, you know, uh. Okay. Like like big like shrams style dessert meads or uh, like delicious like effervescent like bee nectar like sizers or or something like that like zombie killer. I mean, who doesn't love zombie killer, right? So um, no, I think that would be great. Like, I mean, because there are a lot of um, outside of the the, the 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 basics that we talk about, right? Sizers, melomels, uh, piments. You know, there's uh, sack meads. Uh, you know, and, and then Brian is quite well known now for his no water added fruit meads, um, which is Ken Tram's kind of style. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. uh, and if anybody knows Ken Tram in Michigan, he makes these just amazingly decadent, um, rich, flavorful, dark, sweet dessert meads. Hopefully, we'll get to have Ken on someday and talk to him. And a lot of a lot of meadery is like uh, in the kind of Ohio, Indiana, Michigan region. Um, that's a lot of what they do. There's like, a, um, 
I think Manic is in Indiana, maybe. Um, and they do a lot of that. Um, and there's, a, there's at least one other, like, big one um, close that, that does, like, those styles. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a big thing around here. Um, look up Manic Meadery real quick, because I've had some of their stuff, and it's awesome. Uh, Crown Point, Indiana. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yep, that'd be a good topic. I don't know. What <laughs> you look like you're you just burping. <laughs> oh, you're muted. I'm sneezing. I'm sneezing. Like okay. <laughs> um, as long as I thought you were like, you know, no. gagging or something. So. <laughs> no, spring is back. Yay. Allergies. This is beautiful. Our, uh, first pre spring, right? That's what this is. Well, we could talk about adjuncts, um, wood and, and, uh, you know, vanilla beans and cacao nibs and ginger root and nutmeg and things like that. I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, maybe it's still one of the best juicy fruit beans I've ever tasted. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I have any of that anymore. I uh, I'll have to see if I can find some because it really did have that taste. I was looking through some of my mead downstairs earlier, and I must have drank a lot of like what I thought I had. Like I didn't. I didn't see any nutmeg. I only found one bottle of my original Balaton uh, cherry mead, one bottle of my vanilla Balaton cherry. So I think that I just need to get on it and, and make more and more frequently because I think I, how many I give away a lot of these bottles, honestly. How many bottles of the cotton candy pie mint did you find? Uh, we have three left. So I haven't tried it. Yep. So one, one is reserved for you. Oh, <laughs> No, I mean, didn't I, open it on the show, so yeah. I've got, uh, you know, my my history with mead is my first mead that I ever made. I did my my brother works for kind of like this health food store thing somewhere. Um, anyway, it brings me like uh, four gallons of honey on the cheap, you know, with his employee discount. So I, I'm like twenty bucks or something like that. I get like four wow. gallons honey just a shit ton of honey um so i dumped it in a carboy threw a little bit of water on it threw oh no said Here you go. <laughs> that was seven years ago yeah and then it was it died out at like 13 percent um still super sweet super thick you know um, just a ton of honey left that can't ferment so then i i my thought was well i'll, I'll brew a, a light honey mead and I'll blend them. So I, I went. Mm -hmm. I, I basically yep. used like one gallon of honey for five gallons of water, and brewed this super dry mead, one point zero 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 zero, like water. Um, and they both tasted like shit. Uh, so <laughs> then I mixed them together, and the byproduct of both of them kind of tasted like shit. And uh, so I, I gave it to Brian, and I'm like, "What do I do with this?" And he's like. It tastes like shit, right? And you said put fruit on it, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I put 10 pounds of cherries in it. That was a year ago? Yeah, 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 probably. Tried it since then, so we'll see. But that's okay. a beauty of honey. Uh, honey and meat, or, or meat anyway, is um, time can fix a lot of wounds. Uh, and if it still tastes like shit, then maybe blend that one out too. 
and just keep blending it together. <laughs> keep adding fruit. <laughs> you probably got like a hundred plus in fucking honey in this damn thing, and don't give up on it yet. Yep. Um, <laughs> but then I, I'm I am looking forward to the show where we can talk about like the the no water added the fruit meats because that's where I've got some experience. You, yeah, you've done a lot of that. So we'll mm-hmm. do that in the future. Um. What's it called when you mix a honey uh, or a meat with a, a malt base? A bracket. A bracket. Bracket. Um, or, or, you know, just like a beer style mead. Um, so it's debatable. A lot of breweries are doing um, meads where basically they make a beer using the honey as like essentially liquid malt extract. Um and in you know instead of calling it like a braggot you know they're, they're just trying to call it you know like a a beer style mead like a you know a uh, like a new england ipa mead or something like that um and maybe it's marketing but in general yeah i think they're just called like braggots well most of the fucking fat beers recently are just marketing yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, mead, mead, uh, mead was using all the fruit before smoothie style beers, you know, even became like a thing. So my, my five gallon batches have, you know, 30 pounds of fruit in them. So eat that. Yeah, I know. Like, we you know, when you talk about beer, <laughs> I, I used to cringe when, when I would drop like 60 or 70 bucks on a beer. And then this first no water added meat, I come at like 150 or some shit. And I'm like, <laughs> There's no joke. And then you've done like the what was your one the the black current right? That the black current was the most expensive I've done uh, to date. I think I figured after the cost of corks and bottles and fruit and honey, uh, each bottle cost me as a home brewer like eleven or twelve dollars. Yeah. Um, for 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 three hundred and seventy five milliliter bottle. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's so worth it though. Like they're super good, but I only have like ten left. It's like. A, I have one, and that was I, I told him before we got on air. It's like I, you know, when we were talking about the mead that I have on hand, I have one of his black currants, and then I have some of my blueberry, but they're both like 14, 15 percent. Uh, they're super expensive. I think if if Amy found out, you know, she's watching, if she found out I'm sitting here, <laughs> chugging out this, you know, black currant that Brian gave us for Christmas, I think she'd be pissed. So it's something I want to save for a special occasion. Um, but yeah, um, you know, homebrewers, when I started homebrewing, I always chased that cost per bottle. Like, yeah, oh, the more yeah. I brew, the lower I'll get. It's totally opposite for me. The more you brew, the more money. The more I want to invest in a premium product. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, I... Start ordering custom designer honeys from fucking Hawaii. I, I have I have like custom like beer caps downstairs with like a picture that I took of one of our rabbits like in a new egg box and stuff and like <laughs> on a just, on a cap or label. Yeah, no, on a cap. Oh no shit. See, I'm trying those, to, I'll, have to, I'll have to show you those caps I'm, sometime. I'm getting really close to buying like I, I really want the Snapmaker Pro uh 3D printer slash CNC maker slash laser engraver. And the real reason why I want it is because I, I got somebody gave me a homebrew bottle of beer that had the beer name laser engraved on the cap. Oh, how cool. And I was like, God damn it, now I have to have one of these. They're like $1,700. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Here's the thing. You can't do that for a competition, though, so you got to keep those separate, right? I don't care. I don't care. I'll fucking mark it out. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, that, that's all I have to say on Mead, man. Is it? I okay. think so. For now. For now. I we, uh, we, we could go on another you know, hour and a half and talking about styles and stuff, but I think we can... We can keep we that to another episode. Samantha doesn't didn't know that you could uh, close a bottle of mead. She always finished it. Good for you. I uh, didn't really think about that, honestly, until about a month ago. So I, I don't remember what I was doing. I, I had opened a bottle, and I'm like, man, I don't really want to finish this tonight. And uh, and and somebody was like, just put the cap back in. Yeah. <laughs> Blasphemy. Yeah. All right. Anyway, yeah. So, you know, we got drunk on air. I got drunk on air um, with friends. So, thanks. My cheeks are red. So, I'm getting there. For nailing down your mead knowledge. Uh, We'll be back next week with something. (laughs) We will. Um, Maybe we should do a beer pong episode or something. I don't know. Anyway, we'll be back next week with something. We'll, 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 we are working on getting better about trying to put out our, our future episodes, but uh, this has been a kind of a busy um, period in work and, uh, and life. So I, I haven't been able to do a lot of that stuff. So uh, again, if you have any ideas or things that you want us to talk about on show, please leave it in the comments. Smash that motherfucking like button. <laughs> We we will have a, a a drinking really old Bell's Expo episode at some point. Ah, fuck yeah, we're gonna do that. So we have between the the two point X of us, we have some really old Expo stouts, um, like as old as like 1994, I think. I think so. Yeah, um, like 27 years old. Yeah. I, <laughs> So there, there's uh, Brian and I have some, and then there's a friend of ours, uh, David, has some that I don't think he's drank yet. And now that you know, COVID's relaxing a little bit, and vaccines are becoming more available, uh, I, we're going to try to set up uh, a time to get together, and I think we'll do that as a show um, where we can get together and drink some really old Bell stuff. I think I mentioned that on the John Mallet episode last week. Um, and John, if yeah. you're watching, or if Larry's watching, if you guys want to drink really old Bell's beer with us, let us know. <laughs> bring our bottles to the brewery and crack those open, Larry. Um, and can we have a shout? Uh, what is this? Can we have an hour of Shana letting Brian know what's up? Brandon, I don't think you can handle it. <laughs> that's um, that's that's my life. And so if you sure want me to like, that, if you want me to stream, it's, it's basically Shayna keeping me in line like 24 hours a day. I don't know how she uh, deals with me. Yeah. So, so. Yeah, I love her dearly. <laughs> so no, I know we will uh, very soon have the um, Exmo's Hot Cherry Stout um, Age Edition, our reaction. And Shana's down for the show. And Shana. And maybe that's just one of this one night. We just have Shana on just fucking going at it with you. All right. <laughs> All 
right, I'm gonna. We, I'm it gonna... can be a show where I where I go over the uh, all the expenses for each piece of equipment uh, that I've ever bought for. I don't need to know. get into that shit. <laughs> Although it was funny, so I, I I announced on air to my lovely wife that I bought a uh, like a seventy three dollars Speedle, and then she replies back, "There's two thousand dollars worth of patio furniture in the Amazon cart. Don't hit order yet." So, <laughs> whatever. It's it's a give and take. Yeah. Right. Sure. Um so I'm gonna play this outro. We're gonna talk through it like we normally do. And hopefully someday soon we'll actually go and, and film a real intro outro with our friends the Rosses at Riptow Media. Um who I believe since they're watching it's I'm, on us to a commit to a time at this point so i know but shameless yeah. plug uh ripshot media did a video f- for the heavy metal version of thunder rolls that has hit number one mm. on like several charts and they're motherfucking badasses so go google that shit or salmon travis just post your shit in chat uh everybody go check out ripshot media because they're going to do an awesome kick-ass intro for us in the near future uh yeah, so here's our shitty outro that you can hear us talk through because it's poor and it's all that we've done. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys.